it's, um, it's actually kind of feeling more springy today. Instead of feeling baked and, and fried. I don't know about you, but I enjoy spring. I'm kind of, it's kind of nice. Well, this morning we're going to look at Matthew 13. And again, as we kind of follow in on the theme of red letters, looking at some of the teachings and sayings of Jesus and some of the things that Jesus has walked through. In particular, as we're going to be looking at the Matthew today, Jesus has been focusing in, is going to be talking about the kingdom. And so we're going to look at a number of things that he says about the kingdom. And you're also going to notice as we kind of walk through this, with the exception of the opening conversation, each one of the illustrations and each one of the parables that Jesus gives is kind of like in couplets. And as we go through, we're going to see kind of two parables for different pieces and different parts of the conversation that Jesus has about the kingdom. Now you might ask yourself the question, why does Jesus tell us two parables about the same thing? Well, maybe it's kind of like because sometimes the first time we don't get it, or maybe sometimes one thing doesn't kind of resonate and ring with us, but then the next illustration does. And so Jesus is kind of walking through and talking about the kingdom and and touching on parts of the kingdom and gives two little snapshots or pictures of the kingdom, talking about some of the same things, but maybe from a different perspective so that we can get it, so we can understand it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in, starting at verse 1 of Matthew 13. So let's do that together. Father, I want to say thank you very much this morning for your goodness to us. I do thank you for the beauty of the weather and uh, sun, the, sun, the sunshine, but also the, the coolness. And even though it may warm up, it's, it's turning out to be a beautiful day, and so we thank you for that. Fathers, we take time and look at your word, and and Lord, as we listen to Jesus' teaching and the things that Jesus has said, Father, lead us into understanding and build into us and, and help us to wrestle through in our internal parts what it means to walk with you and what it means for us to engage in the kingdom of Christ, in the kingdom that you want us to, to live toward and, and live about. Guide our time. And build into us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to kind of walk through and we're going to talk about it as we go because it covers the whole chapter. So we're going to start in verse chapter 13, verse 1. It says, On that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. And while the whole crowd stood on the shore... Then Jesus started to teach, and he started to teach him many parables. And so, just in your mind's eye, they're all sitting on the beach, and to try to get a little bit of space. Now, I will also say this. Now, we have lived on the other side of Tom's River, and so we've lived on the Bayville side of Tom's River for the last seven years, last six years, but we would hear so much of what happened on the Tom's River side of the river. We would be in our house or out back, and we would hear thump, 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 all this music going on. And it wasn't anyone around us. It was all across the water. I don't know how far away it was, I guess a mile or so, at that point where the, the, the water is. And you would hear it. It would just 
there was nothing to obstruct, nothing to slow it down, nothing to impede it arriving on our ears. And now what's interesting, all that noise could probably be going on down there and you would never hear it here. Because there's so much stuff in between that would absorb the sound. And so Jesus pushed out from the water a little bit. He hopped in the boat and the crowd is on the shore and he's back a little bit and now he's starting to speak. And so just kind of put in your mind's eye, Jesus is kind of sitting on the, on the brow of the ship, brow of the boat, and the crowd is kind of seated. They're out sunning. It's a sunny day. They're sitting. They're, they're doing their, their beach chair thing as they listen to Jesus start to teach. And these are, and as, as this is going on, I'm, my sense is that the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. Because as we read through this, you kind of have some of the sidebar. And so they come, hey, Jesus, what did you mean by that? And so he kind of has a conversation with them and talks to them also in this. So Jesus is, this is the first part. He says, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came down and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has, has ears to hear, or has ears, listen. Now, here comes the sidebar. Then the disciples came up and asked him, Master, why are you speaking to them in parables? You ever have that? So it would be kind of like the elders sitting up here with me, and they're kind of here, and then you guys are sitting there, and I'm saying something, and, you know, Rich comes up and, Andrew, you know, what are you doing that for? And then I turn around and I keep on talking. That's kind of a little bit, kind of what's going on. Here's how he answered the disciples. He says, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has more will be for whoever has more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Pause for a second. Jesus is understanding the crowds. And he's understanding why they're there. And as he is talking about this, and as he's describing this, he's saying, listen, not everyone here is here really to hear. And not everyone here is really here to listen. There's other things that bring people here. And then Jesus goes on to the prophecy of Isaiah. And now for most of us, we would have read this prophecy and we would have perceived this to be a prophecy for Isaiah. We would not have perceived it to be a prophecy for Jesus. Because this specific prophecy comes directly after the call of Isaiah. 
So you look at Isaiah 6 and you you read that portion. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And you read that passage and you see the calling of Isaiah to ministry and to preach and to teach and to build into and speak to the nation of Israel. Well, the prophecy Jesus quotes here is then what follows that calling and, 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 and what God was telling Isaiah to expect. And he's, he says, so here's what the prophecy is, talking about the crowds. You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. Now back up and just listen to that for a second. For the, for the people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Now, because of the choices they made, they're not listening, they're not hearing, they're not seeing. But, if they were listening, if they were hearing, if they were seeing then their eyes would see and their ears would hear and their hearts would understand and they would turn back and I would heal them. But they aren't listening. They aren't hearing. They aren't seeking me. They aren't pursuing me. And we look at the crowds and what's interesting here. And and we'll look at this in a little bit more in a second. But Jesus is speaking to the crowds, but he also understands the crowd. Now, for a speaker, a speaker kind of enjoys speaking to a big crowd. Most speakers do. Some speakers will get up and they'll they'll see the big crowd. It'll be totally intimidating. They'll kind of back up and, oh, I think today would be a good day for someone else to say something. And um, so, but here's the reality. Just because there's a big crowd, it doesn't mean there's always a lot of people listening. Sometimes different things bring people to an auditorium. Different things bring people to a church service. But it doesn't always mean that people are showing up to listen, to learn, to grow, to be transformed. And the crowd that is showing up to hear Jesus speak and the crowd that is showing up to listen to the parables that he's communicating... They're not all showing up really to listen, to hear. They're not all showing up really to have their heart transformed. They're really showing up for other reasons than really to hear what God has to say. But Jesus then continues with the disciples, but he says, Blessed are your eyes, because they do see. Now, pause for a second. But even in this, as he's talking to his disciples... Even in the nested among the twelve is one who what? Doesn't see, who isn't listening, and whose heart isn't being transformed. Even among that tight, small group of twelve, there's a non-responder. 
bit overwhelming. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear but didn't hear them. Guys, you're, you're, you're sitting on the edge of history that many desire to experience. Have you ever had a point where you've sat down, you've maybe read a historical novel, or you um, watch something on the History Channel, or maybe you just enjoy history, and you say to yourself, boy, it would have been fun to live when... It would have been cool to have been there at that point in time. Well, there are people that were saying, it'd be really cool to be there when the Messiah shows up. It would be amazing to be there and to watch the ministry of the Messiah. Maybe we'll look at our kids or grandkids as we get a little bit older. Or maybe some of you already have done this. And you say, oh, what opportunities you're going to experience. It would be fun to travel all that journey with you, but I've already traveled my journey. What opportunities you guys have, Jesus is saying, to hear and to experience the ministry that God has put in front of you. You are blessed. He continues. So, Jesus says, listen to the parable of the sower. And now Jesus explains the parable that he walked through. And this is the one that he just talks about this, this theme once. But then he goes on to the next set of themes. Listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And so again, now most farmers don't do this, by the way. So having grown up in farm country, I know, I've known a bunch of farmers. This is not common. Most, most farmers don't take their, their sowing equipment, drive down the road, and, and, and drop seed. Okay? They don't do that. This is not typical and normal. So, but... This, the seed machine might drop some seed, or you might be walking to the garden and you drop some seed. You ever, you ever pick up a bag of uh, like grass seed? And you pick up your bag of grass seed and you're taking it out and you see behind you a little bit of stream of seed because there's been some loose seed floating around. Maybe there's, there was some in a crease or maybe you had a little hole in a bag. That's kind of the seed we're talking about. This is not seed necessarily intentionally sown on the path, but it lands on the path. And this seed that lands on the path, it doesn't sprout to life. There's nothing there to give it purchase. It, there's nothing so, even, even if the seed were to pop open, there's nothing really for it to grab a hold of and, and, and spring to life. And this is where the seed is sown in people's lives and people are hard and they don't want to hear it. They're, they're not interested and they're not inclined to respond and the evil one and, and life comes away, snatches it away, and the opportunity for life passes by. Now, just going to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, wide is the road that leads to destruction, narrow is the path that leads to life. There's a lot of people on that wide, hard path. He continues. 
and the one sown on rocky ground. This is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Have you ever planted something? You've taken time to get your, get your planter, and particularly maybe you, you've got your starter set. You, you kind of put the seeds in your starter set. You water them. You, you put them out, and you, and you let them start to get them some sun. You, you, you try to cultivate that, and something starts to pop up. And then you come back a day later, it's fallen over. That's what this is about. It's, 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 it's sprouted. Woohoo! Yay! Not. And it just falls over. There's, there's nothing there to give it life. There's nothing there to allow the, the roots to start to get purchased. There was just enough there to give it life. Now here's where the commentators are going to wrestle. Where the commentators are going to wrestle is this. When that seed went, I'm here. And then it said, I'm gone. So when it says, I'm here, does salvation take place? Or doesn't it? We don't know. You know what's interesting? Jesus didn't really fully clarify. Don't you love that when a teacher does that to you? I love it when I, go, when I come to those, those, those head-scratching passages of Scripture. And so you go to people who are going to give you the answer. You turn in your commentaries. You, you look in those resources that you know are going to help you get understanding because you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, I'm so confused with what's going on here. And you look up these, these wise, learned individuals and they dodge the bullet. They don't respond to it. They don't say a thing. They don't give you any insight. They just let you continue to flounder. You know why? Because they're probably floundering there too. They really don't know what's going on either. Now, there's not many places where that happens, but periodically there's a spot that happens and you're just scratching your head. Well, this is one of those spots where Jesus didn't really clarify. Does I'm here mean they're alive? Or does I'm here mean I'm really curious, I'm interested, but there's not much going on right now and I'm scared and I'm intimidated and I'm gone? We really don't know. Now, my gut might be different than your gut. My gut says, I think probably life happens. And there might be a response to Christ, and there's life that happens. But then life starts to creep in. And it says that. Again, what does it say? But it has no root and is short-lived when distress or persecution comes because of the word. You know, when we start to live according to the word, people don't always like it when we live according to the word. Now, I did something outside my box the other day. Probably something I should not have done. But I did it anyway. I happened to go to Home Depot early. And as I went to Home Depot early, I had dropped Eugene off to work. I was coming home. I had some stuff to return and some stuff to pick up. So as I'm coming back from Home Depot early, I do that stuff. And there's not many cars in a parking lot. Now, does anyone here enjoy returning the cart to the cart corral? Okay. So we're of a similar mind. But you do it anyway because it's polite and it's courteous. And so my car is here, and one stall over facing me is another car. And there's this guy. 
He wheels his cart out. He puts his stuff in the passenger side of the car. He walks around his car and he's getting ready to leave and he's just going to leave the cart there. And I said, you know, the car corral is right over there. <laughs> I says, just encourage you to be courteous to others. He called me a rude name. <laughs> now, I, there's enough in me to do that periodically, okay? <clears throat> but here's the reality. As you come into Christ and you start to live according to the word, sometimes we are inclined to say people, or we live in such a way where we say to people, you know the cart corral's over there. You know, and they're encouraging us to do some things that maybe at this point in time we know Jesus doesn't want us to do, and things we know that we might want to do in the flesh, but we shouldn't be doing in our lives. And so we start to feel this pressure, and people start to say things to us that maybe are unkind. And because of that pressure, what happens? They back up and they back away. So I thought this was a good thing. But, you know, there's some cost and there's some weight and there's some pressure that comes with walking with Jesus. And, you know, I just don't want to carry that pressure and that weight right now. That's not what I thought it was going to be. So I'm kind of gone. I'm a year, but now I'm gone. He comes to the next seed. The one sown among the thorns, the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So again, I'm here, but then it's looking around and all sorts of other stuff that's going on that's attractive and enticing, but not consistent with the word. Things that dominate life and start to push out the values of God. And so that one withers and falls away. But the one sown on the good ground, this is one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Now, I come away from the parables and I say a number of things. What kind of soil are you? As I listen to this, this is the question I need to ask myself and that I process through with myself. What kind of soil am I? Am I the the path, the hard, beaten down path? Am I the rocky soil? Am I the thorny soil? Or am I the good soil? What kind of soil am I? That's the first question I ask myself. And hopefully you answer, I'm the good soil. Because God wants you to know the, hope, know the hope of life, and he wants you to grow and become who he desires you to be. But then that answers, the, that brings the second question that I wrestle through. What kind of fruitfulness do I want in my life? Do I want to produce a hundredfold, or do I want to produce tenfold? And there's a lot of space in between. How fruitful do I want my life for the Lord to be? And what's interesting here is that, to a degree, we have influence and control over the kind of fruitfulness that we'll experience in our lives. Because it flows out of our choices and and how we choose to react and how we choose to engage with our Lord. We choose these things. 
So what kind of soil am I? And then what kind of response do I want to see take place in my life? How much do I want to produce for the kingdom of Christ as I respond and say yes? Not necessarily a woohoo, wonderful, exciting message from Jesus. It's kind of one of those challenges from Jesus that make us think and kind of push us to think a little more deeply about our journey and our walk with Christ. But the parables continue. He continues to the next one. Look down at verse 24. Excuse me. Yeah, verse, verse 24. He says, He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed... Who sowed... Well, you know, you, I do this enough to myself where I miss my spot that I had to pause and say, did I miss my spot again? I did not. Okay. So, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. And when the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came and said, came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? And every farmer asks this, every gardener asks this, where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, so do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. And again, every, every gardener goes through this process. You sow, and then stuff starts to come up. And you got to wait a while before you start to weed, because you don't always know if you're pulling up the good stuff or the bad stuff. And then, as he's also talking here, the other challenge is that if you have a weed right next to the good seed, and you start to pull the weed out, if you're not careful, you're going to pull out the good seed as well, and you're going to uproot the good seed. And you don't want to uproot the good seed. So the farmer said, let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them into bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat into my barn. Drop down to verse 36. It says again, then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And Jesus replied, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from the kingdoms all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. And again, that challenge. Now, this is not so much a conversation broadly. This is now more the explanation to the disciples. But now it's still recorded for all time for posterity's sake. And many, many, many over the years have read this and listened to these words. But the challenge is to ask, am I willing to, what kind of seed am I going to be? Am I seed that's weeds? Or am I seed that's producing fruit for God? Which am I? 
And again, it's a healthy and it's an appropriate question to ask. And again, as you look at this conversation, we can look at the fields. One of the things that I've, I, I might have said this before, but Joan and I will go driving around and we'll look at things, and particularly if we're on vacation and we go to scenic, see scenic areas and, 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 and farm areas. And I love looking at fields. I think fields are just cool and beautiful. Maybe it's because I grew up in dairy country and farmlands and, and I like the beauty of fields. But you know what's interesting when you look at the beauty of a field? You don't see all the weeds growing in it. You see kind of the broad spectrum. But you're not specifically walking through the field, differentiating one thing from the other as it's growing in the field. But the time is coming when God is going to walk through the field and he's going to differentiate between one thing and the next. And that which is a weed gets pulled and disposed of. Now, do you know what a weed is, right? A weed can be beautiful. But a weed is a plant growing there that doesn't belong there. That's a weed. So you could have a vegetable garden and someone decide to come, come along and plant geraniums in your vegetable garden. Those geraniums are weeds. They don't belong there. You're growing vegetables, not flowers. They're weeds. They might be pretty weeds, but they're sucking the nourishment and nutrients out of the ground and it's taking it away from what you're trying to grow. They're weeds. And what Jesus is saying at the end of time, God is going to separate between that which he sowed versus other things that grew up. What are we? What are we? What seed are we growing and producing in our lives? He'll give another illustration to this particular point towards the end. Look at verses 31 to 33. We're going to go backwards a little bit. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds. So in that culture, this is the smallest of the, one of the smallest seeds that they worked with. But when it grows, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed with 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Now what's, what's, what's Jesus driving at here? I think Jesus is driving at the significance of the kingdom. The kingdom of the Lord is really important. It's significant. God's intention and God's desire is that it would permeate culture and society. God's desire is that it would grow and be seen. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the kind of kingdom God wants us to come and nest in its branches. It's the kind of kingdom where God wants us to come and partake of its fruit. That's God's desire. He wants it to permeate. He desires that it would permeate. And so even as he's talking about the kingdom, he's describing something that will grow and that will expand. And it needs to. And you and I, we should be the leaven that goes into our world. We should be the ones. Now, 
often the term leaven is used in a negative way to talk about sin. But here it's being used in a positive way to talk about how the, the leaven went through the bread and, and through the dough and, and leavened the entire amount. That's what we need to do in our world. We need to be going into our world and we need to be that leaven that spreads. We need to help people to find shade and sustenance in the branches of the kingdom of God. That's our responsibility. That's our role as witnesses for Christ. Look at verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and he sells everything he has and buys that field. Now, this is a guy of integrity, by the way. Because as he's walking through the field and he finds the treasure, he doesn't take it home with him. He finds that treasure in a field, he buries it. Now, he's not telling the owner of the field, guess what I found in your field? But he is also going and he's buying it and he sells everything he has to buy the field. It was in the field to begin with and he wants it. It's not his to take until he buys it. There is a treasureness in the kingdom of God, a preciousness, a value that we should be seeking and we should desire, that we should be pursuing. And And it's a treasure worth selling everything we have and liquidating everything we have to acquire. That's how great and that's how precious the kingdom of God is and how valuable it is to be connected and tied into the kingdom of God, to be connected and tied in with Christ. That's how valuable it is. Sell everything you've got to get connected with and to have possession of of that treasure. He continues. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one precious pearl, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it. The kingdom of heaven is that precious treasure. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is that precious pearl. There is nothing of greater value. Nothing. It comes through Christ. Nothing of greater value. Are we willing to set everything else aside and all the other distractions in life. So come back to those who are walking on that path, the seed and the rocky soil and the seed and the thorny soil. The seed and the rocky soil and the seed and the thorny soil, they're not willing to leverage their resources to grow and prosper. Because as the pressure of life starts to kick in, I'm out. As the distractions of life start to kick in, I'm out. but we're talking about something that's an incredible, wonderful treasure worth so much. And it is worth 
the sale of everything we have, the liquidating of all that we have to obtain it. And ultimately, we're talking about our lives, giving our lives and spending our lives in pursuit of it. He continues. Verses 47 to 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea. It collected every kind of fish, and when it was full, they dragged it ashore, sat down and gathered the good fish in containers, but threw out the worthless ones. Now again, this would be the kind of net where you have weights on it, and then you have parts that float on the top, you throw it out there, and then the guys on the shore take the ropes and they kind of pull it in, and so you have this, goes from the top all the way down to the bottom, and you start to pull it in, and you catch everything that's between you and the shore. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out, separate evil people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, Jesus just comes back to the illustration and it challenges this again. What kind of fish are you? Are you going to be the kind of fish that God says, I'm going to keep? You're going to be the fish that is destined for burning. Now, here's what's great in the, in the play of the illustration, in the play of the illustration, the parable between the, the kind of, uh, of seed that is sown. Are you the seed that is sown or the tares that are sown? And are you the seed, the fish that's desired or the fish that's not desired? We have some choice in that matter. We get to choose. You see, the seed is being sown. And we get to choose what takes purchase in our lives and what grows. We get to choose who we are and what we become. We get to choose. But there is also a time coming where a sorting is going to take place. You ever part of those conversations where people talk about God and they talk about heaven and it's all rosy and everyone goes there? You ever part of those kind of conversations? Those are warm, fuzzy conversations. But they're not real and it's not true. And see, as Jesus is talking about and giving these parables... He's telling the truth. Listen, the time is coming where it's going to be you're either in or you're out. You are either mine or you are not. You are either part of the kingdom or you're part of the fire. There's not a third option, a fourth option, a fifth option. It's an either or. And as Jesus is talking about this, he's being really, really clear. And again, as he talks about that kingdom, he says, it's incredibly precious, it's incredibly valuable. Pursue it, chase it, seek it, desire it. And don't forget, your role and your responsibility is to help spread it and to communicate it. See, the kingdom of God is growing, it is moving. We have a privilege as a follower of Jesus to be a part of that kingdom of God. But the other part that we wrestle through, and we have to figure out again, come 
wrestling through the whole parable, is how much we want to produce for that kingdom of God. What kind of production is going to be in our life? We're going to 10% seed, 100% seed, 50%, 80%, 30%. What do you want produced out of your life for Christ? One last part of the conversation. Verses 51-52. Jesus is looking at the disciples. He's saying, the guys, have you understood these things? Are these things making sense to you? And they go, mm-hmm, yeah. Jesus, we get, we get what you're saying. We hear you. And then Jesus says something interesting. Therefore he said to them, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures new and old. Really interesting. Now some of you know that we just sold our home. And we are officially apartment dwellers at this point in time. And uh, with mom's passing and our household going from eight to four and the, the way the economy has gone, it's been advantageous for us to sell and we're going to wait for something, the market to settle down a little bit and we're going to start looking for something a little bit smaller that will serve us better longer term. So we have understood the process of going through the storeroom and sorting out and bringing out things. In fact, as Joan and I have talked about that, we've decided that we still have way too many things that we still need to sort. And so more things might go out. In fact, Grace said, you have more stuff than I think fits in a trailer. If you need to borrow my garage for the summer, you can, but by the end of the summer, it needs to be someplace else. So we'll see how it all works. But this is what's cool about what Jesus is saying here. If you're going to be a teacher of the law, the teacher periodically is going to pull things out of the storeroom and he's going to bring out and he's going to show you new things as well as old things. You know, there are classic stories that we talk about with the faith and there's the standards that we talk about. And we keep on coming back to some of the same classic traditional stories. For instance, every Easter, what do we talk about? Resurrection. Every Easter we talk about the resurrection. It doesn't matter really what is happening in our world. It doesn't matter what the weather is like outside. It doesn't matter whether it's a pandemic or not a pandemic. Every Easter we talk about the resurrection and we revisit the themes and the promises of the resurrection. Every communion time we get together, what do we talk about? The death of Christ and his coming again and his resurrection. We talk to death, resurrection. Every time we talk about communion, every Christmas, what do we talk about? Let's try that again. Every Christmas, what do we talk about? The birth of Jesus. Every Christmas. So there's some things that we pull out that are old, that we know the stories of. You know what's great about pulling out those old stories? We all kind of go, nod our head, yup, and, 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 and it reinvigorates us, it excites us, it reminds us, it renews, and it's great. 
And there's a great part of the journey as the teacher brings out the old and reminds us of the old and continues to shore up the foundations of what we have held on to and what we believe. But he also brings out the new. Continue to expand our understanding, continue to expand our comprehension of who God is and what God is like. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series, and we're going to probably speak from a, from a book that none of you have heard preached on before. It's in the Bible, but it's probably one of those books that you almost never preach from. We're going to preach from Habakkuk. Habakkuk? Yeah, we're going, to, we're going to talk about Habakkuk, and we're going to walk through Habakkuk a little bit. When was the last time anyone remembers any preacher preaching from Habakkuk? Okay, so we're going to take something old, but it's also a little bit new, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to walk through it. But here's the important thing about the new. Very important part of the new. You don't have new if you're not continuing to grow. You see, if you don't continue to grow, if you're not continuing to develop, you don't have anything new. And if you're going to be a teacher, a leader, someone speaking into the lives of others, you're going to bring out the fine china. You're going to bring out the classic dishes. You're going to bring out the classic teachings and traditional foundational lessons of the word. But you should also continue to be growing. You should also continue to be stretching and leaning and looking. So that there's always something that is fresh and new in your journey. See, that's an important part of the kingdom as well. We live in the United States of America. Has anyone not been to Alaska? Raise your hand, wave at me. Has anyone, wave at me, not been to Hawaii? Has anyone not been to California? Okay. Has anyone not been to Idaho? You all want to know something? You got a lot to see. We all have lived in America a really long time. And there's a lot of new things for us to experience. Now, I've had the privilege at this part of my life of being in 49 of the 50 states. I've never been to Hawaii. It's on my bucket list. Never been there yet. And I had a chance to go see Alaska, but I got, was out of the Kenai Peninsula for about two weeks with a youth group doing a mission trip, so I saw about this much of that much of Alaska. It's a whole lot to see, and a whole lot more to explore. And there have been places I've been that I just want to go back and see again because there's just so much more I want to see. And you know the really cool places I want to go? You know, you ever see those pictures of those curvy, slopey, swoopy rocks? They're, I think, in New Mexico. I've never seen them yet. I want to see them. They're above the Grand Canyon somewhere. I've been to the Grand Canyon, but I haven't seen those rocks yet. I want to go, I want to go, I want to go see that. It looks so cool. I want to experience it. There's new that's still there to explore. 
And the kingdom of heaven is like that. There is so much in this rich treasure of the kingdom of heaven for us to delve into and for us to explore and for us to seek out and to see. That there is so much for us to delve into. That there's so much space for more new to be there. But sometimes we end up really content to just sit on our porch and to look at the same things that we've seen time after time after time. Now, periodically there's new stuff as we sit on our porch. There's a new car that drives by, a new sunset that we see. But if we don't venture out a little bit beyond our porch, we're not going to have an opportunity to experience the new that's there for us to see. And for us as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, there's so much new that we can delve into in that spiritual journey with Jesus if we are willing to do it. And I love what he says. As we go into the storehouse, as we go into the storeroom of teaching and learning, we're going to bring out the traditional and the old. But there should also be new. What is the new that Jesus is building into your life as you walk your journey with him. Because there should be new. Because it should be a living, growing journey. So that seed that was sown into good soil, it shouldn't stop growing. It shouldn't stop producing. It should continue to produce new Fruit. New. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you so very much for your rich goodness to us. Father, I want to say thank you again for the teaching of Jesus. And Father, even as we continue to wrestle through that, Father, so often I know that we are just delving into and touching parts and pieces of And not fully always delving into the heart and substance. Or maybe we try to get to the heart, but there's so much more always. But Father, I would ask that you would build into us the substance of Christ. And that Father, you would give us a passion and a hunger for your kingdom. That it would motivate us. It would capture our imagination. It would drive us. Kind of like that person who is willing to sell everything to buy that pearl and to buy that field because of the treasure, the greatness of what you have for us is so amazing. Father, be at work in us, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One more question. Have, I want to see hands. Who has never been to High Point Monument in New Jersey? Hands, come on, if you've never been there, pick up your hands. See, that's not even very far away. So there's so much even local we can explore. And it's true in our journey with Christ as well. A lot to, um, personally, for all of us to unpack and examine in our own lives. And I guess one quick application, go to the High Point Monument. It is really cool. But if you're here and you would profess to be a believer after everything that Pastor Andrew was saying, it would do us 
good to do what uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. It would do every believer good to just be quiet and ask the question, what kind of seed and soil am I? And these passages are really, really hard, and they're kind of scary at times. But these are the passages that should bring us to our knees, independence in God to save us, and should bring us to persevere in fruitfulness. Right? Ten times, twenty times, a hundred times. Now maybe you're here, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We come here thanking God because God sent His perfect Son, Jesus Christ, who willingly died on the cross, died the death that we deserve so that if we trust in him and repent, we are saved. And his resurrection means we have hope. So if you are here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, we would encourage and challenge you to think through that, make that decision today. Talk to myself, Pastor Andrew, one of the other elders. Even if you just want to know, Why is God better than anything else? And you're curious about that. Talk to one of us. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to have our offering. So the offering plates will pass from the back forward. As the offering plate passes you, let us stand and praise the God who has provided salvation and so many other blessings. Lord, I thank you for your word and thank you that... It's written thousands of years ago, but it still speaks to us today and is alive and active, and there's always new things to pull from it. Thank you for these hard, sometimes scary passages and what it does to our hearts. Thank you that we can depend on you for salvation and fruitfulness and perseverance. Lord, for those who do trust in you as their Savior, Help us to examine ourselves. Help us to be fruitful and persevere, soften our hearts, and use us to go out to help those that are far from you. And for anyone here, God, that doesn't know you, I pray that you will be working in their hearts, soft in their hearts, open their eyes so they will see that salvation and relationship with you, it is better than anything else this world has to offer. Thank you, Lord. I pray you will bless this offering. Use it to get the gospel out. In your name, amen.